It's one of the deepest, richest, most important books of the Bible, Romans. In this message, join Pastor Chris Chadwick and learn more about what the Bible says in the book of Romans. So if you have Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, really, I want to go back and, and let's pick up verse number 19 of chapter 7. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Verse number one of chapter eight. There is therefore. Now, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible or really any place, you got to find out what the therefore is there for. Why is it there? Well, he's talking about something in the past. There is therefore now. Now with everything that he said, primarily in chapter seven, but we can include some of chapter, most of chapter six, there is Therefore, now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, the paragraph goes to four, and we'll do two to four on Sunday morning. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise his holy name. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to preach tonight on the subject of in Christ Jesus, 100% in Christ. Now, we use a phrase, and I want to use it as a springboard to the idea of the text. We use a phrase, he's into something to describe our hobbies, to describe our interests we have, and, and things such as that. I was thinking of my lifetime and, and things just over the course of my life that I've been into, defining hobbies or interests. Uh, the first thing that I can really remember I was into, I was into big wheels, those of you that are old enough, you remember the big wheel? It was red. It had the blue back, and you know, and it had a brake on the side. But you were a sissy if you ever used that thing. I mean, you never used the brake except to slide, and you'd go down the steepest hill you could, and your skin got all messed up. And before they had snowflake moms, your mom, when you came in and you got all cut up, your mom would be like, "Oh, that's good, son. Yeah, that's good." Came in without an eye. Yeah, you really didn't need that. That's why God gave you two. That was Arlene. I mean, that was the world that we lived in back in the day. And by the way, it's good if kids have that today. Like, yeah, we're not going to whine about the fact that you, you know, got a little injury. We'll clean it up. We're good to go. That was my mom, man. I was into, I was really into uh, my big wheel. Then I was into G.I. Joe's. 
How many of you remember G.I. Joe's, like the cool ones from years gone by? And I had the, I had the helicopter. I was going to be a Marine Corps helicopter pilot. And then I got rid of that. I didn't get rid of that. Then I got the jet. I was going to be the F-16 fighter pilot. Man, I love G.I. Joe's. And then my friend gave me a lighter, and I learned you could melt G.I. Joe's. And Man, I was into, how many, anybody else ever do that? I was into that. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and I never, I still, I, I still have the jet at my parents' house somewhere, unless my mom gave it away to somebody, which she probably did because she doesn't hoard things. Um, and then I was into BMX racing before they had BMX bikes. How many of you are old enough to remember? They didn't have the light chromoly bikes or whatever, or if they did, they were so expensive you couldn't do it. So you were trying to save every ounce you could off your bike, so you took the brakes off. Well, I guess you didn't really need brakes. Who needs brakes? You'd put your foot back there on the back tire. The problem was it didn't always work like it was supposed to. And I was into BMX racing and bikes and jumping. And Gloria could tell you some stories about the stupid exploits of a youngest brother trying to make friends with his brother's friends. And so I would jump my bike over. (laughs) This is so stupid. I would jump my bike over like refrigerator boxes um, just to see if we could. And, And how many of you remember? Remember making those ramps back in the day? Like Zane showed me ramps today. Like you could buy ramps on Amazon. Amazon. We're still in limbs and cinder block. And, and really what you were hoping for is that you went, as you're going off the ramp, it didn't collapse on you. You have not lived till you come down a hill and hit a ramp and you're about halfway up it and it collapses on you. Oh, soul. You're also not living until you take your yellow and black 44 Huffy, which you could buy at Shucks Auto Parts on Pacific Highway. And as you're going to jump off the ramp and you pull up at the last second and the frame breaks in half. You said, did that deter you? Not a bit. Why? Because my friends were like, dude, that is a cool scar you're going to have. And I would run home and show my mom. And my mom was like, dude, that's a cool scar you had. My mom literally would have had, I would, would have been arrested if they had social media back then. She'd take a picture and put it online. You know, here's my son. He, you know, I've got a prosthetic brain or something. And I was into BMX. Then I was into professional wrestling. Now, before you judge, it was real when I was a kid. The Road Warriors, can I get an amen? Yep, the Road Warriors, Randy Macho Man Savage, Hulk Hogan. It was real back in the day. Not like the fake stuff is today. Not like the WWE. We were the WWF. That's what men watched. (laughs) I was into basketball. And then I was into football. And then I was into basketball. And then I was into fishing. And then I was into Mountain Dew. And hot dogs. And Fritos. And then I was into powerlifting, and then I was into Olympic lifting, and now at 50 years old, you know what I'm into? Naps. <laughs> kind of my thing right now. I like naps. I do some of the others, but I really like naps. 
There's a big difference between being into something and being in Christ. The sad reality is many people think they're the same. Matter of fact, you've probably had people say this, oh, he's really into church or she's really into her Bible or they're really into religion. But there's a big difference between being in Christ, verse number one, and being into professional wrestling. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Well, number one in our text, it means that the believer is free from eternal judgment. It means the believer is free from eternal judgment. There will not be slides tonight. You say, why is that? Because sometimes I like you to just take notes like the people did in the 1700s. The believer is free from eternal judgment. There is now, the scripture says, the word now is elusive to the reality that since Christ has come, since Christ, there is therefore now, since Christ has come, no condemnation. The word now does not specifically mean today, though it does mean today, but it means that point in time when Christ came and died for the sin of mankind, when he was put on the cross, uh, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the now that is being spoken of here. There is now no, and then he uses a wonderful word. It's just a fun word to say. There is no condemnation, a condemning judgment a verdict uh, uh, or, or uh, one that pronounces judgment. The believer is not damned. The believer is not doomed, but is freed from the penalty of con- the condemnation of sin. The believer is not judged as a sinner, but is delivered from the condemnation of death and hell. He is not judged to be unrighteous, but rather he is counted as righteous. Very simply stated, the person who is in Christ Jesus is safe and secure from condemnation both now and forever. He will not be judged a sinner. He will not face condemnation. He is beyond condemnation. He will never be condemned for sin. He will never be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is beyond that. If you're saved tonight, you are beyond that. I love John 3, 16, an often overlooked verse because of its popularity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The idea of perishing would be an ideally, or in in the phrase of ideals, it would be similar or a synonym to condemnation. Shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. The Bible talks about perishing, it's talking about condemnation. When it's talking about everlasting life, it's talking about eternity. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in Jesus as their savior will not perish but have everlasting life. Look down with me in your Bibles in Romans chapter 8, verse number 33. Who shall lay, lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. And if you're saved, you're justified. We looked at that this morning, did we not? We spent an aggregate amount of time on that. Verse number 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or inflation or a bad government or lack of a promotion or a drop in housing prices or any other thing. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The believer is free. From eternal judgment. Believers, though, they will be judged for their faithfulness to the Lord. We, we want to be clear here and give a well-rounded view of judgment. Believers, we will be judged by the Lord, but it is not a condemning judgment of heaven or hell. That has already been determined. We will be judged, though, for our faithfulness to Christ. We will be judged for how responsible we are for how well we use the spiritual gifts God has given us. Well, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't really care that much. I mean, I'm just going to do my own. No, no, we'll be judged for that. For how diligently we serve Christ in the work of God, we will be judged. Uh, judgment will take place at the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done them, whether it be good or bad. And then Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I've heard 2 Corinthians 5.11 used a ton of times for or with the idea that we need to share the gospel. And that is a true idea. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But the judgment that is being spoken of in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 11, the terror of the Lord, is not a salvific judgment. It's a sanctifying judgment for the believer. I have a responsibility to you and you have to one another and to me to exhort us and encourage each and every one of us to live lives that are preparing for the judgment seat of Christ. So I, we, we've all heard people, if you've been around church very long, say, it's nobody at the church's business what I do. Oh, dear friend, it's only not our business if you're not saved. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, it is absolutely our business to exhort you and encourage you to live a holy, righteous, healthy Christian life. Why? Because you're going to face the judgment of God. And you're going to be judged for your faithfulness to the Lord. Non-believers will face eternal judgment, heaven or hell. We will face sanctifying, reward-based judgment from the Lord. And from the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 11, it's not going to be the greatest day in human history. I've heard people say, man, I can't wait to die and be with the Lord. Now, there's a time frame issue here that could be talked about, but for the sake of simplicity, let me just say it this way. I don't believe that the first time we see Jesus, it's going to be the easiest day of our lives because we're going to be judged. You say, Pastor, does that affect your life? Absolutely, it has to affect my life. 
if I have any spiritual wisdom or discernment about myself at all, uh, uh, there's times when, when maybe I want to let words come out of my mouth that should not come out of my mouth, and I don't let them come out of my mouth because I'm going to face the judgment of Christ. He's going to judge me. Well, you're saying I'm forgiven. Right, we are forgiven. We're not going to be condemned. Right, there is no eternal condemnation. But make no mistake, we will be judged for the things that are done in our body according to how we have done them, whether they be good and whether they be right. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men to do the right thing. The non-believer will face eternal judgment. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, make no mistake, there are no exceptions. If you're not saved, there are zero exceptions. Well, God knows the kind of person I am. He does. That's why you're judged. Matter of fact, you're already under judgment according to John chapter 3, verse number 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. To the person who doesn't know Christ, there is a greater judgment. Sometimes we're fearful of sharing the gospel with people because we don't want them to be upset with us. And by the way, I identify with that feeling. Can I be bold enough to say this to you? If you don't share the gospel clearly, they may never receive the gospel and there'll be an eternal price to pay for our dereliction of sharing the gospel. And so... There is a judgment for the believer. There is no condemnation. There is a judgment to come. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11 to 15 for the non-believer, where the Bible says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, or from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Small and great means significant, great, small, insignificant. Whether you're insignificant as the world would describe you or significant matters not. You stand before the Lord. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Remember, if you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you're going to be judged according to the law, according to the works. And Paul is reiterating what we looked at a couple weeks ago, that unsaved people are still under the law and they will be judged by the law and the sea gave up the dead which written by the way you say how much of the law according to the scripture all of the law the way they wash their hands and whether or not they practice the sabbath they're going to be they're going to be judged according to their works and the sea gave up the dead, verse number 13, which were in it. And death and hell were delivered up, delivered up the dead, which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the, fire, into, uh, the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is why evangelism is so important. Even if it wasn't commanded, evangelism is the morally right thing to do. To hide your faith from a person who will die and spend eternity in hell, I would submit to you, is an immoral act. I'm glad that Lynn Swihart was able to lead one of our guests to Christ today. 
We rejoice in that. It's a wonderful thing. Eduardo got saved today, and we are so thankful for that. To be in Christ not only means that the believer is free from eternal judgment, verse number one of Romans chapter eight, it also means that the believer lives in Christ day by day. It means we walk and live for Christ day by day. Notice verse number one of our text. There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In Christ, we don't walk after the flesh, but we walk after the spirit. We are living our lives for Christ. Our lives are surrendered to Jesus and whatever Jesus desires for us in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27, the apostle Paul goes on so far as to say this, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul says, I keep myself so personally disciplined in my life that, that even when I do so, this is Paul saying, I do so so that no one would reject Jesus because of my careless, casual, or undisciplined lifestyle. Why? Because he's in Christ. Because he's in Christ. It's not my hobby horse, but you have to come to grips with the reality that there's probably a lot more people you could reach if you weren't staying up till 2 a.m. playing video games. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. I bring my, my, my flesh wants to do this, but I'm not in the flesh, I'm in the spirit. I'm not controlled by the flesh, I'm controlled by the spirit. It's a daily growth issue for sure. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Look down in verse number 13 of Romans chapter 8, same idea. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's not talking about working your way to heaven. He's simply saying, if you're a believer, don't live to pacify your flesh. Don't live to, to give your flesh everything that it wants. A true believer lives, moves, and has his being in Christ. He is in union with Christ. To truly believe is to walk, and to truly walk is to believe. A true believer lays his life, his past sins, his present behavior, all that he is upon Jesus Christ, and he entrusts his welfare and his destiny to the person of Jesus Christ. The person who truly lays his life upon Christ and entrusts all that he is to the person of Christ who truly believes and walks with Christ is a person who is in Christ. And it means we don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. We could say it this way. A true believer seeks to live a holy life. 
Titus chapter 2, verse number 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly. The word soberly just means circumspectly or aware. We should live soberly, righteously, in accordance with God's words, what righteously means. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly as God would have us to live. Now, remember, remember what we said this morning. Sin's always there. We're never to a point when we're past it. You say, oh, pastor, it's almost like these, these truths conflict. No, no, they don't conflict. They marry perfectly. Sin is always there. It's always present, but I can't give in to sin, Romans chapter 6. I'm always going to be influenced by sin, Romans chapter 7, but I need to work and desire to live a holy life, Romans chapter 8. Don't live after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse number four, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It means that we bear the fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter five, verse number 21, uh, or verse number uh, 22. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. If I'm going to walk in the spirit, if I'm going to be uh, in Christ, it means to live for Christ every day. Some of you are newer believers, some of you have been saved for decades. And the reality is this that at times we can be very much into serving Christ and then we can fall out of serving Christ. That's what we're not called to be into, but in a state of being. I'm in Christ. That's who we need to be. That's what we're called to be. And there's no condemnation to them who, who, which are in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation. There's no judgment for the believer if you're not saved here tonight, there's judgment for you. There's eternal ramifications. And then he says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So how do we walk after the, not after the flesh, but after the spirit? Number one, we do that by daily going to Christ and striving to live according to his word. The second thing that I thought of that I thought was practical, and the Lord just burdened my heart for it, it means that we, when we abide in Christ, we become connected and attached to Christ and his church. I would submit to you that it's going to be very, very difficult for any person on the planet to be successful in their Christian life who is not attached to Christ and his church. I just don't, I, I, people say, well, I, John and I were talking about some people that he knows and, and we were just fellowshipping a little bit about that earlier this week and, uh, well, it was earlier today, which was part of the earlier this week. Um, 
and uh, we were talking about this, and, and um, he said, well, you know, I find a problem in this church, and I find a problem in that church, and I don't go to church. I really love God with all of my heart, and I really love God with all my soul, and I really love God with all of my strength. I just, I just don't really go to church. I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I can't question your love for God, but I can question your love for Jesus Christ and his bride. To be devoid of, listen to me, to be devoid of a regular relationship with the church is to be devoid of part of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You met two of my best friends last week, if you didn't already know Ferg and Anthony. And, and I love Ferg and Anthony immensely. But if I could be really candid with you, uh, or not if I could be, but in being very candid with you, I have a relationship, Debbie and I have a relationship with both of their wives. Why? Because we have a close relationship with them, and I can't have a close relationship with them if I don't know their wives. Like I love Zane Garza. I love Callie Garza more than I love Zane, but I can't really know Zane if I don't know Zane's wife. Why? Because they're one. You could pick the person. You don't know Bill, Bill Griffith if you don't know Linda. Matter of fact, you don't like Bill Griffith if you don't know Linda. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm totally teasing. But, but you get the idea. And the church is the bride of Christ. The church is where we exercise our gifts. The church is where we, fa- we, we, we are uh, encouraged to accountability. The church is where we give. It's where we minister. It's where we serve. You say, Pastor, why are you saying all this? Because you want people to do it at the church. Well, of course I, I want people to serve the Lord to the fullest capacity they have within the local visible New Testament church. But, but I'm saying this because I truly believe that to be in Christ is to be in the church that he purchased with his own blood. I didn't purchase the church with my own blood. Canyon Ridge is not purchased with the blood of Chris Chadwick. No, no, Canyon Ridge, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28, is is a byproduct of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12. Why don't you turn there real quick because I'm going to read a lengthy passage. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And then we'll be done. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, talking about the church is one and hath many members. And all members of that one body being many, or all members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear were to say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set all members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. If they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the heads of the feet, I have no need of you. Name much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary. 
and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh. For there shall be no schism in the body or no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. For whether one member suffer, all suffer with it. Or whether one member be honored, all members rejoice in it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying with, with clarity that within the church of God, this is something that we're into as we are into Christ. Because it's his bride and we're all part of that body. And we're serving within that body. Some people are more noticeable within that body. Some people less noticeable within the body. But everybody in the body is of tremendous importance. Matter of fact, as Jesus says it, there's no person in the body more important than any other person in the body. Some people say, oh, no, Pastor, you're, you're more important than, than me. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just an usher. Well, according to the scripture, I'm not more important than anybody else. Bernie's not more important than anybody else. We fulfill different roles. We have different responsibilities. We have different functions. And we need to embrace those functions. Somebody said, Pastor, what are you going to do when you retire? I'm going to be an usher. Why? Because it's the coolest gig there is in church. I love it. I would be an usher all day long. And I dress way better than Brandon. <laughs> I'm teasing. He's got a cool 20th anniversary t-shirt on. And he's wearing socks tonight, so it's a win. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're all of the same value to Christ. And if we're in Christ, we're going to be serving within that body. His bride. And if we're in Christ... To walk in the spirit, we put all that we do in the hands of Christ. Lord, this is yours. This is yours. My life is yours. Not my life is yours if you do this. It's not bartering with Jesus. Jesus, my life is yours. You can have it all you want. I'm 100% in. And there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I'm not condemned if I'm a believer. And then I need to walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. And have the utmost confidence in the Lord. Putting all your faith in Christ is vitally important. I meet people on a regular basis who put some of their faith in Christ. And try for a little while and then they back out. Try for a little while and they back out. It's almost like they think that Jesus isn't strong enough to hold them up. When we remodeled this church building, most of you weren't here. How many of you were here to help with the remodel? Yeah, we should do it again. <sighs> We're doing a big remodel in the CEC this year. We might paint this auditorium next year and get new carpet. Um, we're, we're seeing how the uh, inflation uh, might mean 
everything to us next year. Um, but we, we got to do some, some work in here next year. Well, if you are in here um, during the remodel, you saw some really cool stuff and some of the stuff we did. I mean, everything in here is new. One of the things that we did is we rented, what, three big lifts, three, like, 30-foot lifts. From floor to ceiling in here is 29 feet, 29 feet, all right? I hate heights. Are there any other smart people in the crowd? I'm not a big fan of heights. How many of you couldn't care less about heights? Doesn't bother you at all? Man, praise God for you. And I mean that. Caden's like, I don't hate heights. I was on the monkey bars once. Um, like I, I am not a big fan of heights at all. I just don't enjoy them. But I committed that I would be the first one on the 29-foot lift that we brought in here. And we brought that lift in here, and, and we had to put up that, that round disc that's up there. You see electrical wires up there. You see lights up there. I was a part of all of that that went up. I was up there, and I remember there was a time, I think it was Bernie and I, we were putting it on, in the light bar. You remember the first time we put in that light bar, and we are on that lift. And if you think I'm scared of heights, you should see Brother Bernie. He is a... He, he has a bigger fear than me. I mean, Byrne is really afraid of heights. And, and we were on that lift. We were all the way at the top. It was fully extended. This is not an exaggeration. And because I didn't trust the lift when I was on it, I wouldn't put all my weight on my feet, but I would kind of push myself up on the arms of the lift and I don't know why it was subconscious of me thinking that that was a safer idea. Now, the lift's holding all of my weight. We had a guy at the time named Mike Plager. Mike was a great dude. Mike was 6'8 and probably 350, 400 pounds. Mike was a big, big dude. And he was an electrician, and he was a great electrician. And Mike was like, Pastor, just put your weight on it and stop being, he, he talked really kindly, and don't be dumb. And then he made fun of me, and we were friends. It's like it is now. We just had a good time. I, I enjoyed it, and we had a good time. We get up there. Mike's done construction his whole life. Mike is 6'8". We're running some cables. Bern was up there once, but I didn't think Bernie was scared. And I was up there, and I was petrified. And Mike is 6'8", not exaggerating. And Mike is, like, leaning backwards, off that lift, and he's like, hey, pastor, would you hold on to one hand so that I can reach this one all the way over here, or would you stand on the opposite side of me, and, and, and I'm like, sure, and I didn't know what it looked like. We came down, Bernie went up there, he did the same thing to Bernie, and the lift is supposed to look straight like this, and when Mike, who was two of Bernie, he was two Bernies, when, <laughs> he was a double-double, and um, he was a double Bernie. And when Mike would do it, and Bernie would be leaning on the other side, the lift would still go over here. I mean, the, the scissors on the lift were like, you could hear it like, like cracking under the pressure, like, crack, 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 crack. and I'm just watching. I'm like, Mike, I don't think, I literally, I remember standing like right where Zane's at going, Mike, I don't think that's safe. And Mike, this is what Mike said. He goes, no, I'll tell you when it's not safe, Pastor. And I said, they didn't have kids yet. And I said, well... He doesn't have kids. If he dies, he dies. <sighs> and we were joking around, obviously survived. You want to know why Mike was able to get so much more done than me? Like for me at 29 feet, I'm not moving that lift. They move when they're 29 feet in the air. 
I bring that lift all the way down and I move it and then I take it all the way back up. Can I get an amen from those of you that have been on it? Jimmy's over here making fun of me right now. Be quieter, I'll break your other hip. <laughs> Mike's up there leaning over saying, hey, Bern, move that a few feet. Bernie's looking at me like, I don't wanna move this an inch. And they're like, <laughs> Mike had complete faith in the lift. Mike was in the lift. Bernie and I were into the lift. It looked like we were in the lift. We weren't really in the lift. When I would get done working at the end of those days when we were up there all the time, my feet hurt from gripping the floor with my foot. Like if the lift fell somehow, I would Velcro my way onto the ground. You say, that makes no sense, right? And neither does being into church or into Jesus. We are called to be in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's no condemnation. Tonight, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we want to invite you into the family of God if you'll repent of your sin and trust Christ as your Savior. If you are a believer, are you in Christ Jesus or are you into Christ Jesus? Big difference between the two. Father, bless our time in the Word. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time.